0: From the wheat fields of the thumb to the cherry trees on the third coast, Michigan grows more than 300 different foods and products that we all enjoy every day. We're on a mission to find every local restaurant, manufacturer, and food company sourcing their ingredients right here in the mitten. And in the process, bridge the gap between the farm and your fork. We want to introduce you to all things Michigan agriculture and food. This is Michigan AF. Michigan is a world-class craft beverage destination. With more than 300 breweries in the state and over 650,000 gallons of cider produced annually, You could say that the craft beverage industry in Michigan is hopping. But terrible puns aside, there are incredible local breweries all over Michigan who not only serve delicious beers, ciders, and meads, they play an important role in Michigan's agriculture sector and supporting our farmers. And today on the Michigan AF podcast, I am joined by Nick Van Court, the co-founder and brewer at Barrel and Beam based in Marquette. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod,
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So can you start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you became a brewer?
1: Sure. Um, well, I'm from Michigan's Upper Peninsula, so I grew up in a very rural area, actually working on a dairy farm. Um, I went to school at, to, at Northern for biology and uh, media production. So I got my degrees there. Um, and it was after that, after being in the workforce for a little while that I started homebrewing, you know, after just basically liking good beer, um, got into homebrewing, uh, decided, um, that I wanted to start a brewery and my wife was infinitely smarter than I am said, you should probably get, uh, some experience, maybe even an education in brewing. So that's what I did. I actually went, um, back to school to the world brewing academy um did an internship we were living in Madison Wisconsin at the time did an internship at the Great Dane um right before heading to brewing school and then after worked in a few breweries in Wisconsin Milwaukee Brewing Company Tyronina, um Milwaukee Ale House and then I actually made it back to the UP in 2011 for Ordock where I was the head brewer for the first 5 years uh that that brewery existed and then uh, Marina and I decided it was time to start planning our brewery and we did and here we are
0: That's very cool. So how did Barrel & Beam get its start?
1: Well, you know, in a way, it's from all the way back in the beginning. You know, I always liked all beer styles. um, But when I went to brewing school, uh, the second half of that was at um, was in Europe, was at Domans Academy in Munich, but then was also a brewing study tour where we went around Germany, uh, Belgium, France um, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, uh, Austria, and, uh, went to, you know, breweries, equipment manufacturers, um, ingredient, uh, manufacturers. Um, we did that kind of thing, but it was in Belgium going to, you know, craft beer bars that would have like three to 500 things on their beer list. And I realized that, you know, I thought I knew Belgian beer, Uh, But then I just realized there that there was so much more. There were so many more types of beer, uh, so many more breweries than I ever imagined. And really, it was there that I started to really get into the whole uh, French and Belgian kind of tradition of brewing. Um, And I've been able to do some of that all along, everywhere I've worked. But it was never, you know, more than just a little this, little that. And uh, I knew that the market, you know, was definitely... Though the market is full of a lot of different beer from a lot of places, a lot of breweries, um, this niche of farmhouse ale and uh, you know traditional sour ale really wasn't tapped at all. You know, we had Jolly Pumpkin in our state for for a long time. Now we've had them, and they were kind of introducing this to people. But um, other than that, you know, it was like the time was was right, I guess. Um, and we decided to you know start planning which you know, really turns into doing because it's hard to get very far when you're starting a business. We've realized if you're not actually taking the steps versus just dreaming it up. So um, it kind of happened faster than we thought, honestly, after we started, um, even though it also, you know, took some time and, you know, whereas are always like, we're going to be open at this point. No, not that, not anymore. Now it's this point, you know, we kind of did that for a bit, but really it happened pretty quick. So
0: Well, and there's a really interesting story behind the building where you're headquartered too. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So we are in the old Northwood supper club building, which is very well known around Marquette. Well, really around the UP, I'd say, because it was definitely the, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, supper club in the whole upper peninsula. And uh, it was just, you know a critical part of the community in that, you know, all weddings would happen here, uh, all sorts of um, anniversaries or reunions, or even proms would be here. So anybody from the area uh, really knew this place, knew the people, the Clums who started it in the thirties with one little cabin, which they then just, you know, added on and added on until they had a, a nearly 17,000 square foot building. Um, so we have renovated the the cabins and what they call the East rooms and what was the kitchen um, into our brewery uh, barrel room and tasting room. And we still have about like 6,000 square feet, I think, or almost seven that we've yet to renovate. So it's a giant building. Um, we're nestled in the woods. We're off the beaten path, but we're on the bike path. We're right on the uh, Northwoods uh, trail. Um or uh, sorry, the Iron Ore Heritage Trail, sorry, um, North Northwoods Trails with everyone. Um, so we really wanted to have a place where we could have events, where we could have space, where we could be more of a destination than just trying to find, you know, a little sliver of something downtown. Um, you know, we wanted to, to really just set down our roots and try to do things right and grow our business to stay, you know?
0: Okay, cool. And so, As we uh, already established, there are about 300 craft breweries in Michigan. So what differentiates (laughs) Barrel and Beam?
1: Well, you know, the main thing that differentiates us, because after all, we are just making beer out of, you know, malt and hops and water, mostly anyway, like everybody else. Um, A few things that really differentiate us are, you know, our overall process is one big thing where we um, we have a mash mixer which is not really necessary to make uh what we call single infusion style beers uh english ales um you know ipas porters, stouts that kind of stuff um you know you can just basically mash your malt at one temp and run off and, and carry on with your brew day for us to make these super fermentable very dry french and belgian style beers Uh, The mixer is nice because we can vary the temp and we can get more um, fermentable wort out of our brew house, for one thing. Um, The next point where it differs is uh, with our house yeast strain, which every beer um, and cider is primary fermented with. uh, And that strain is important because it's a diastatica strain, which is to say that it can ferment sugars that other yeast can't. And it also can even convert starches into sugars. To, to ferment or for other organisms to ferment. And that is important because then when we move to the barrel, which is another thing that sets us a little bit apart in that the majority of our beers are barrel aged, um, that yeast can keep feeding or helping the the wild yeast in the barrel or the bacteria culture. If we're making a sour beer, get more sugar to consume. So those that kind of symbiosis in the barrels is really important because it means we get a really dry um, and in the case of our sour beers a very balanced kind of sour beer profile um, that you don't get with normal brewing. Also the last thing that I'll say that really sets us apart is all of our products are naturally carbonated in the package so that goes for all of our bottled beers and ciders, canned beers and ciders, and draft beers and ciders. So at that final stage, instead of doing what most breweries do, which is forced carbonation, force CO2 into the cold beer or cider, we actually, uh, warm it up. Uh, we re yeast it with fresh yeast. And we also, um, add the appropriate amount of Michigan beet sugar from Michigan, uh, sugar company in Bay city. And we, then can have a fermentation in the sealed package, which is where the carbonation comes from. The other thing that's really great about doing it that way is um, our shelf life is incredibly long. In fact, we have no idea if it's really even limited because once a fermentation has happened in that package, there's no oxygen to stale the product. So oxidation is uh, really, really unlikely for us, which is really helpful in A, a market that's, Kind of, I won't say saturated, but it has a lot of options for people, and uh, also in that our product is more expensive for all the reasons that I've just stated. That it's different, and uh, including the sourcing local ingredients, which are more expensive, um, and that really, um, you know, helps us with the concerns about you know an eight dollar bottle sitting on the shelf. Now it turns out, you know, uh, we've learned just by trial and error. In the marketplace that actually the more expensive beers sometimes outsell the cheaper beers, um, probably because it's a specific thing maybe that people are looking for, um, like that fruited sour, or maybe it's because when we just had bottled beers, you know, people see the bottle as being like a higher end kind of thing. Um, And now that we're canning, we're seeing a little bit better distribution of what sells across our product lines. But, um, you know, we still do those $8, you know, fruited Michigan source fruited sour beers and people love those and they sell awesome. So um, I would say that that those are the main things that set us apart. It also doesn't hurt that our space is very unique Uh, log cabin renovated in like the style of like a a Belgian or French kind of farmhouse meets a supper club, um, which sounds kind of odd, but it really works. We feel Um, people really like the space. Um, and then the other thing that might set us apart as a business in general um, is that we do these great big, you know, uh, events like, you know, 150 person. Uh, we've even done up to 200 person wedding receptions. Um, and, you know, it, it takes a little, uh, little time and we have to clear the room out a lot to make these things happen. But it's a way to get people in um, to try the product that might not otherwise try it. Um, It's also just a way to be a really important part of our community outside of providing these beverages.
0: Yeah. And that is all so very important that, you know, you're not only uh, creating and, you know, you're creating jobs in the community, obviously, but then you're really becoming a staple in that community, which is really cool. Right. Yeah. So how long when you say that you age it in barrels, how long is it in the barrels?
1: Well, it depends on the, on the product. So if it's a, um, if it's just a wild yeast beer, if we're not making a sour beer, but we're just using like Britannomyces yeast in the barrel, um, really about three months is all it takes, but sour beers, um, sometimes well over a year. And again, it kind of depends what we're doing or what we're after, or sometimes we intentionally age some barrels longer to get them to a completely maybe different place in terms of aroma and flavor so that, um, we can make some different blends. We usually call them cuvées, you know, we'll, we'll keep that outlier barrel maybe and see where it goes and find a way that it can work with some other barrels or, um, you know, maybe, um, pick that one out separately to do just a small batch kind of thing, uh, with a different fruit, or even just to package it straight up without fruiting it. So it it really depends, but I'd say generally up to a year.
0: Okay. So what I'm hearing is that you really have to have a lot of patience to be a brewer.
1: Yeah. Well, for barrel aging, for sure. I mean, and that's one thing, you know, and a lot of breweries, you know, make great, great beers without these crazy processes we do. But, you know, one thing that, we have against us like with the natural carbonation um is that it does take longer um so even if it's a beer that didn't go in a barrel you know it takes several weeks for us to make sure we like where it is before we sell it after we package it whereas most breweries um can sell the beer the day it's packaged so it does take more patience it also uh, takes a little bit of faith i guess in you know our culture, our organisms. I always say, you know, that our yeast and our culture really more than an ingredient is like the best coworkers you could ask for um, because it's really doing the important work of turning the product that, you know, we started into what we know as beer or cider.
0: So most of your ingredients are sourced from Michigan. You said, why is that important to you?
1: I mean, well, one big reason why is because I'm just really into Michigan ag having, you know, spent, uh, you know, six years on the dairy farm, 40 hours a week, um, having, you know, met so many producers in the state as it has adapted to all the breweries, um, and getting to know these people. And, you know, I early on, um, uh, you know, had a brewer from another brewery who I collaborated with who was really passionate about Michigan sourced, uh, products who really helped me find suppliers and uh, helped me get on track and we just decided that if we wanted to make real farmhouse ales we should really um, focus on the terroir of Michigan and really get in fact we even have a beer called terroir that so that we could really sort of show people it's like what's it about to be from Michigan and I don't think that it's normally about getting malt or hops from the Pacific Northwest or Wisconsin or whatever. I think if we want to be a Michigan brewery, that one of the things that we should do to to really make that true is to source our ingredients here. That said, we make a couple beers that we get uh, the malt and hops from France or Belgium to make very traditional. So our Terra Terra Saison and our Blanc du Nord, they both have imported uh, ingredients to make them as authentic to Belgium or France as possible. Everything else, pretty much, we're trying to make Michigan sourced. Uh, Every now and again, we will do French and Belgian sourced beers because it is different. You know, we do get a different flavor uh, and aroma out of those ingredients. So um, they're not really replaceable. They're just, it's a difference. You know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm. So, and so you mentioned sugar beets, you mentioned hops and things like that. What then, I know you're getting a lot of fruits. What fruits are you sourcing then locally? Yeah. So this
1: year, our fruit beer lineup, I might miss one, so forgive me, but um, we made uh, a beer with Michigan strawberries. We made one with uh, Michigan Montmorency cherries and peaches. That was called Peachy Creek. We made our Bow Blue with Michigan blueberries. Um, we make our Spooky Creek, which is our biggest uh, production fruit sour with Michigan Montmorency cherries, Michigan malts, of course, too, for all these beers. I'm um, trying to think. What else did we do? We did a um, we did oh a um, um, apricot beer that's not out yet. Also a cranberry beer that's not out yet. Both with Michigan sourced fruit. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two. But um, we do one outlier uh, in the fruit beers. Um, that's a collaboration with another business in Marquette called the Lania. And the Lanyapa is very much a Cajun place, and they go every year to Louisiana. So um, they bring us back Louisiana Satsuma Oranges. So that's the outlier. We make a French source-based beer, age it in French oak, finish it with Louisiana Satsumas, and we call it Acadian Connection. Um, but other than that, really, it's it, all the fruit beers are our Michigan source. And in the past, we've done you know Michigan apple beers. Um, we, of course, use Michigan apples for all of our ciders. Um, and yeah, again, I'm sure I'm missing some beers, but I think you get where I'm going.
0: Yeah. Well, it's making me very thirsty just to hear all of these <laughs> beers. So for those of us who live downstate or may not have the yeah. opportunity to visit your location, yeah. how would we be able to find your Beer Insider?
1: Oh, man. Well, the um, if you go to our website, you can see a whole list of retailers. Um, but I will say that we distribute almost statewide um we're all over the west and central up we're also um all over the northwest lower peninsula and then what we call the beer belt belt from grand rapids down through lansing ann arbor Ypsilanti, over to detroit there we're actually uh, with a distributor m4 cic which we love them they're very much a niche distributor like we're a niche brewery so they bring a lot of beer similar to ours from other places in the country. Um, also just other great products in general, it's not just beer and they, they do some importing of some really exceptional products, um, too. But, uh, basically if you go to our website, you can see a list. If you look at ales, um, at the ales and, uh, retailers tab, I think is what it's called. Um, also you could always call us, um, our numbers on, on our website, Um, If you're in a specific place and you're not sure, and usually somebody here could have an answer for you. Sometimes that list of retailers is pretty dynamic because we are growing or trying to grow as a company. Um, So we're picking up new retailers and we're always having to wait for that little bit of leg time between trying to get the list from the, the wholesaler, and then you know that week we might already have a new account that we don't even know about, kind of thing, um, which is a lot of fun, but we do try to keep up on it. You'll also find us at all the Michigan Brewers Guild beer festivals, including the one this Saturday in Detroit.
0: Oh, wow, that's really great! Uh, is the World Expo of Beer in Frankenmuth on that list?
1: Um, actually, uh, that's a good question, that would be M4. And I would have to ask.
0: That's one of my. I'd
1: have to look myself. One of my favorite
0: ones. I like to go. I like to volunteer at it and help pour. So.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. So you mentioned you have an apricot beer and a cranberry beer getting ready to come out. Any other things coming up that you can kind of give us the inside scoop on?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing that we're really excited about was uh, something that we just packaged today. So to date. All of our ciders have been what we call our rightful cider lineup. So it's basically one base cider that we do different things to, you know, fruit it, Um, uh, juniper it. We've done that Uh, juniper and lemon balm cider, which is really tasty. But uh, today, for the first time, we can some cider. Um, We're calling it palm. And uh, it is a French oak-aged Michigan apple cider that we've uh, brought the ABV down to 5% and canned instead of bottled. So uh, in about a month, probably, that'll hit shelves. We did quite a bit of it. Um, It's tasting awesome. We're really excited about it. I think it's the tastiest cider we've made yet. Um, and I'll also throw that bogberry back out there. Uh, we are bringing a keg with to the beer fest this weekend in Detroit, but it'll actually be re- be released um, in a couple weeks in November. Um, that's a really fun beer for us. It's kind of it stands out to me among our fruit sours in that uh, the base beer has a lot of extra character in that we use uh, spelt malt, wheat malt and barley malt. And uh, also, of course, Michigan Cranberries from Michigan Cranberry Company. And the cranberries are so tart and tasty. And with that spelt, adding all that kind of extra dimension to it, it's really it really stands out. And we're really excited about it.
0: It sounds really, really good. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us uh, today. Can you just remind us again where our listeners can learn more about Barrel and Beam?
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, your listeners can go to BarrelandBeam.com or, uh, barrel and beam on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and that's probably where you're going to get the best information.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for sharing more about Barrel and Beam with us and for everything that you do to support Michigan farmers. Uh, So again, if you want to learn more about Barrel and Beam or uh, visit next time you're up in the UP, visit BarrelandBeam.com to locate more great breweries and wineries and trails and tours. Check out the Michigan Craft Beverage Council. And as always, you can learn more about Michigan agriculture and our farmers at our website, michigangrown.org. Join us next time where we'll learn more food, products, and beverages that are Michigan AF. The Michigan AF podcast is a project of the Michigan Ag Council and the Michigan Grown, Michigan Great campaign. We are a coalition of farmers and agribusinesses committed to providing the best possible foods and products for our neighbors, communities, and the state we all love. To hear more podcasts and to learn about Michigan's agriculture-diverse sector, visit michigangrown.org.